What is the Common Good is a production of the University Church in Oxford. For more information, visit universitychurch.ox.ac.uk. The Common Good. It's a powerful and evocative phrase, drawing us towards those aims and ideals that we share together. Politicians and leaders appeal to the common good. We pray for it in church, and it can exert a potent force even over our everyday lives and moral choices. But what the common good might mean seems to me to be far from straightforward. It is a challenging, complicated concept, discussed, debated, fought over even. For all human beings are unique, and each person and group will have their own views and values and aspirations, their own desire to shape their lives as they wish. How do we balance these different ideas of the good? How do we find what's common, what we can all agree on? This term will be exploring these issues in a series of talks and podcasts and we hope that you will join us. My name is Sarah Mortimer. I'm a historian and also a licensed lay minister or reader at the University Church of St. Mary the Virgin. Today, I'm joined by Marietta van der Tol, who is a constitutional theorist and Alfred Landecker postdoctoral fellow at the Blavatnik School of Government here in Oxford and I believe also an LLM in the Church of England. Good evening. Yes, that's right, Sarah. Thanks for having me tonight. So, Marietta, when you think of the common good, what's the first thing that comes to mind? So, the first thing that comes to mind really is contradiction. So, on the one hand, the common good is about ideas, values, goals that unify a community or a society. On the other hand, the fact that we need to talk about what a common good is and that we often disagree, that means that it actually isn't all that obvious, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, the common good is an important, but also quite a loose ideal. It's something that we need to believe in, even while recognising it'll always be imperfect, provisional even. For me, that ideal is one of working out together as a society or a community, what we think is good for us all, what we can all agree on, but also how we can make sure that everyone's voice is heard. So even just to talk about the common good demands a genuine conversation about the kind of society we want to live in, about the values that shape our identity, and how we can include all members of society in that conversation. I think you say something really important here. Namely, how do we make sure that everyone's voice is heard? Historically, defining the common good has a lot to do with privilege and with silencing, often of minorities. So there's something about the process through which the common good is defined, but there's also a substantive or material dimension. Namely, not everything which is called good actually is good. Is there a bottom line to what may be considered good? But if people disagree on something which is against the law, or against basic moral principles? Or conversely, is it possible to over the common good? Yeah, I think that's a really important question, isn't it? 
working out what is truly good in the common good. And that takes us to religion, because so often our moral principles have arisen from um, religious communities and religious ideals. Could you explain that a little bit more, perhaps, Marietta? Yeah, sure. So the common good is an important political concept. That is a concept through which political communities negotiate what is and isn't compatible with who they are or want to be. And historically, the common good is full of religious references. And with that, I mean that religious norms have informed the common good quite often. Perhaps you could say that at times the common good has been overly ethicized under the influence of Christendom. And this might make sense in a society that is relatively Christian, but in a post-secular context, the question is to what extent this connection between the common good, religious norms and the sacred is appropriate or even needed. Perhaps narrowing the scope of the common good actually helps us to hold on to the bit that is common more easily, at least in the context of a political community. And thinking about how in our current societies we have lots of different religious and ethical groups brings us to the question of how we include those minorities in our conversation. I know in your research, you often discuss the place of minorities and especially religious minorities. So I wondered if you might tell us a little bit more about why you think it's important for the common good to be inclusive. Well, as our societies change and people can think very differently about ethical issues or see themselves as part of different groups, then what it means to be inclusive will change too. It matters that a common good is something that everyone can relate to, can contribute to. And by implication, the common good is something that needs to be able to change over time. So the common good is not a static thing, it is dynamic. It is constantly being deconstructed and being reconstructed. And that is a process in which some core ideas tend to remain. For example, that of protection of health, having certain freedoms, economic well-being, safety. But also certain ideas can change, for example, about the equality of women or the importance of education uh, for young people, for example. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because that suggests that these changes to the common good can be really important for society in dealing with some of its problems, perhaps drawing in those who've been excluded and finding together what it is that holds us together as a community. And it seems to me that the recognition of elements of the common good often arises from facing up to some of those um, exclusions and thinking about those negative experiences from times when we've been able to recognise and acknowledge certain problems together. Indeed. But again, whose experience and whose problems are we talking about? Whose suffering is seen? Who are able to make their voices heard? And to whom do these experiences and problems matter? Historically, minorities have not often been able to name certain issues without this having a negative impact on themselves. But being inclusive means that minorities and other vulnerable groups can speak out publicly about what is wrong with society. This is why the Black Lives Matter movement is so important, as these become voices that can no longer um, be ignored. Yeah, could you tell us a little bit more about that, as it's probably something that's in a lot of people's minds at the moment? 
Absolutely. So from the perspective of the common good and how we define it, I think one of the many significant things about the Black Lives Matter movement is that people who have historically been marginalized are the ones naming the problem and naming where society needs to change. For example, the movement rightly names the inequality and discrimination that people of color face in the United States and elsewhere. And you could look at this and say, this concerns safety, health, economic well-being, etc. So it isn't so different from the core of the common good. But you could also look at how the movement redefines the common bit, demanding societies to come up with a better understanding of how ideas about the common good may perpetuate inequalities or the marginalization of minority groups. And this is not a matter of a nice addition or an embellishment to the common good. It actually has the potential to transform it. So how do you think that would happen? Of course, Black Lives Matter as a movement has certain core ideals, but it's also an umbrella term in the sense that people within the movement often have different ideas. For example, there's a range of different views about how society might change. Absolutely, Sarah. And from the perspective of the common good, it's really healthy that people disagree. It's also very normal that people disagree. First of all, it is important that problems are named by those who are relatively on the margins or who are suffering. And this might be because of race or ethnicity, gender, sexuality, physical ability, any other personal characteristics, or perhaps a combination of those. But that does not mean that such people have the same ideas uh, just because they have a certain identity. does not mean that they have the same ideas about what kind of change is needed. So in the end, we need to be careful not to make assumptions about people's identities uh, and ideals. Between the many ideas and opinions that exist in a society, it is important to be attentive to those you may not agree with or think are different from yourself. The common good is not like mass, collecting different opinions and distilling some kind of common denominator. It's much more local and personal than that. And if we truly seek for the common, this attentiveness really matters. Can we again learn to see beyond our own ideas and interests? and learn to see and recognize a connection? Can we grow in empathy? Yeah, so if I'm understanding you right, the important thing is that the people who feel marginalized are able to join the conversation and that those who are currently contented or privileged are open to their words, even when those words are critical and calling for change. Absolutely. I think of all the opinions we hear, the ones that are the most important are the ones we might disagree with the most. I think that if we step back from the common pitfall of overly ethicizing the common good, often from our own perspective, or wanting to impose certain religious norms on all of society, we might be able to come back to something that is more basic, namely the inherent relationality of being. And especially when people disagree, we need to rely on empathy, engage our imagination, uh, and try to think what it is like for someone else. Yeah, what you say really resonates with me. I've been thinking quite a lot about how the common good implies some sense of shared community and fellow feeling, how it demands a real connection with the people around us. So we need to see each other as engaged in a kind of shared project of life together, 
not just as sharing space or cooperating to make the economy function or even to improve healthcare, though these things are important. And here I think churches can play a really valuable role in the local community, bringing people together and enabling us to see each other as precious and important, even giving us a language and a liturgy to help us do that. That's absolutely right. I think in Anglican ecclesiology, generally, there is relatively much space for a divided community. And historically, the church has, of course, been really important to the local community. But I also think that many churches are still negotiating where they exactly fit in the local community in uh, today's uh, time and space. Some churches like to have the initiative, set the goals, set the boundaries, decide on the content. Others are perhaps better in collaborating with other local partners. And I think during this pandemic, we have seen how years of reliable, stable local citizenship translates in more effective collaboration when things get hard. I've seen this myself when I was on my placement in a church in Cambridge, uh, where we organized a community fridge. And this was a place where people could get food for free without any questions asked. And many, many organizations and individuals from around town really rallied around the needs of this particular neighborhood. And there was a real sense of alignment. I think it is really because this church was confident enough to make space for other partners that it was so successful in doing what it did. But the thing is that you stick to the community when things seem easy, when things seem difficult, uh, when things go your way and when things don't really go your way. It's just maybe just like any healthy relationship, I guess. Thanks, Marietta. That's been really helpful. It's really made me think more about the common good, not just as a specific model out there for us to follow, and more as a kind of direction of travel, an ideal to help us as we listen and discuss with each other the kind of society we want to have. I really look forward to talking with you more about this on our Wednesday Zoom meeting and to exploring these ideas more as our series develops. Oh, I do too. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks for listening. This episode featured Professor Sarah Mortimer, tutor in modern history at Christchurch, and Marietta van der Tol, postdoctoral fellow at Blavatnik School of Government. Music and sound design by Nicholas Alexander.